Greetings, everyone. Greetings, greetings. Season 2, episode 86 of Chief Yaya Podcast. And uh, we're continuing our conversation around the Jezebel spirit. And we're going to, like, you know, our last session where we took a uh, nice little twist, you know, and kept it a little lighter, sharing a kind of a freestyled story there. We're going to do something today where we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the mindset and the psychosis that exists with someone who has uh, these traits, all right? Because sometimes, you know, you might be hearing all these different things, and, you know, I'm sure many of you are identifying this sort of energy and sort of spirit in your own life, you know, whether it be with yourself, whether it be with, you know, your upbringing, it could be a parent, it could be a guardian, it could be anyone, you know, that you came in contact with, um, or even someone who you're mated to now, and you, you may be identifying some of the qualities that we've been speaking about. And I know sometimes one of the challenges is um, is imagining that someone would be this way. Why would someone choose to be um, this disruptive? Why would someone choose to be this controlling? You know, someone, or or we could even use the term to be this evil. Why would that be an option that someone would take and you know, it's sometimes difficult to imagine if you don't recognize first that we're speaking about spirit. And more importantly, or most importantly, we're speaking about spiritual possession. And when that comes into play, you know, you're not dealing with human. You know, you're not dealing with human. And there may be certain ideas that are given to us, to you know, via the medical industry as to how we should look at a person who's who's exhibiting certain traits that are extremely harmful to other people and they seem to be doing it without any remorse or any repentance or any empathy. And we're going to get into that today, you know, um, what that empathetic aspect looks like, what the mental aspect looks like, and some of the things that we have to look out for when we're encountering that spirit because it's such a cunning one. You know, it's such a nuanced one that um, when you're dealing with a Jezebel spirit, it doesn't just come at you head on. That's the whole point. You know, it, it figures out multiple tactics and strategies to get to you and to get to what it's actually hunting for. All right. So we're going to we're going to dive into that in this session. It's going to be a good one. And willfully, you know, this series, I know for some, it may be very triggering because um, I'm sure maybe bringing up some thoughts of your childhood or things you're experiencing with experiencing now or. As I'm going through some of these descriptions, for some of you, it may be like, man, that sounds like me. Sounds like he's talking about me right now, you know, and I may be, you know, I am directing these sessions at no one person. But when you understand that the spirit of Jezebel is so pervasive uh, in the world today, then you understand why um, everything that's being taught in this series is so relatable because it almost feels like we're surrounded by that that sort of energy. All right, so let's start with our proverb, as we always do. All right, and our proverb is as such. Although you may spend your life killing, you will not exhaust all your foes. But if you quell your anger, your real enemy will be slain. All right, let's say it one more time, because I, I really like that quote. Although you may spend your life killing, you will not exhaust all your foes. 
But if you quell your own anger, your real enemy will be slain. All right. That's our quote for the strong. And as always, you know, uh, provide movie, provide book recommendations. And, you know, I don't expect you all to be able to read the books every seven days. But because we're doing uh, the podcast now in series, you know, when we have our off season, you know, you have your time to kind of catch up on your reading or even your movie watching if you need to. You know, um, I know sometimes even watching certain films, you, you know, you have to be in the mode for it. you have to be, you know, you have to be in, in the mode. You have to be in the mood and the setting has to be right for you to properly absorb. But willfully, you're, you're taking notes on all these podcasts and you're marking down um, what it is that we're we're working with and what it is that we're teaching on uh, or teaching about. All right. So uh, the movie that I'm going to uh, be sharing with the Anu community come this Sabbath or this seventh day is uh, the movie by the name of Spring, Summer, Winter, Fall, Spring. All right, so that's the movie that we're dealing with in this particular um, podcast, in this session. And, uh, you know, we'll be watching that for the Anu community. And again, always, you know, um, we've been having movie nights every Sabbath uh, since we, you know, I started giving a movie recommendation. It's been really fun because we watch them together. You have like watch parties and then we, you know, we comment you know, different things that we pick up and we take our notes, share notes and stuff like that. So it's been beautiful watching my membership kind of uh, go through their own real-time decoding as movies are going. But anyway, let's get back to the movie. One of my um, beloved movies for sure, man. I love this movie. It it leaves you very full if you if you watch it, you know, with, with your first eye open. If your pineal is blinking... And you're watching this movie, you're really going to pull a lot from it. Spring, summer, winter, fall, spring. It came out in 2003. And, you know, it it starts with, uh, you know, it's in South Korea. And we're starting in the spring. In the spring, there's life. You know, a baby is born. And this child lives on a floating monastery, and basically in the middle of a, of a lake. That alone is like, <laughs> you know, you think about the imagery you know, he lives on a floating monastery and he's got all these trees around him and mountaintops. And, you know, he's just in nature, all this foliage. And um, he lives with an older man. They're monks and uh, they're Buddhist monks. And, um, you know, he's learning things. I'm not going to give, you know, I'm not going to give too much away. You know, he's just learning things about life, about growth. And the monk is teaching him certain lessons. And then we go into summer and he's a young man and, you know, we get to see, you know, the scenery is really beautiful. And um, he's just exploring different wonder in the world. And at that time, a young woman arrives and, you know, there's there's, there's an experience there where he kind of learns about jealousy. He learns about cruelty, he learns about life and hate. And then winter comes and... um you know, it's frozen over the lake and there's a mystery there. And, um, you know, he goes through an experience there for winter. Then we come back around to, um, you know, spring. And it's just this going through the different seasons. You'll see that there's a different um, <laughs> there's different lessons that are taught. But it's it's a sort of movie where so much is shared and there's so many volumes of information that are delivered 
with very little dialogue. You know, it's just very sparse dialogue, but there's these deep morals that are that are shared, these deep values. And, um, you know, the title itself tells you it's about evolutions, obviously, right? You know, you're going through these different seasons and um, each one embodies really the, the Buddhist philosophy or the, the you know the, the buddhist um sort of ethos if, if you will and um it's like a it's like one long interesting meditation and um you know it's just it's just a very moving sort of film that i, I know that you will all enjoy you know and especially if you if you've not seen a film out of south korea before the rhythm is different kind of the energy of the film is is different and um you know it's just kind of like a, a endless sort of oasis of of interesting concepts that are that are given forth in this film you know going through through each season and you you get to experience a little bit of of what that the poetry that that country is sharing with you you know so i think you'll all love it it's a, it's a it came out in 03 wow 20 years old but it's really it's a timeless film, you know, and it it there's certain simplicities in the film if you really pay attention, you know, um, and see just the the kind of the the, the karma that it speaks about and, and existentialism, you know, and, and theories that are there in terms of that, um, you'll really enjoy it, man. Like I said, so um, this is a film. Like I said, that we're going to be checking out spring, summer, winter, fall, spring. And, um, you know, I urge you all to check it out again. Leave your feedback. You know, you can always also leave your feedback when you review the podcast in iTunes, which is always helpful. Or you can put up a Twitter post. You can send questions to questions at chiefyard.com. We can look at it there. All right. So that's our movie for this, for the 80. What did I say we were on? <laughs> 86? Yeah, 86 podcast. That's our movie for the 86 podcast. All right, let's get into our main concept. This one's going to be a little bit of a doozy. So let's let's get into it. All right, so we're going to cover a couple of terms in this uh, session that are going to be really valuable for you uh, going forward and being able to identify uh, what we will call the disorder, the spiritual disorder of the Jezebel spirit. And primarily what we're speaking about here is the female psychopathic personality. And first thing to understand, uh, I'm, I'm pulling from, uh, there's a researcher by the name of Simon Baron Cohen. And he's out of Cambridge University. And he coined this phrase by the name of, uh, the phrase was zero negative empathy disorder. And zero negative empathy disorder is essentially a disorder where a person has a lack of effective empathy, right? And what that is is just the ability to feel what another person feels. Like if someone is disappointed or they're hurt or they're sad, the ability to feel what it is that they're feeling. But um, zero negative empathy disorder is also combined with a lack of moral care or moral concern for the well-being of others. So when you have both of those together, you have zero negative empathy disorder. And the reason why you have to have them both together, because you can have someone who has zero empathy, but it could be because they're on the autist autism scale. 
So it's not necessarily related to someone being uh, morality negative or having a Machiavellian sort of um, mindset where they're very strategic and, and they're all about different tactics and things like that, but they just don't necessarily have that part of the brain as active, you know, um, you know, but you have people with zero negative empathy disorders and those people will include people you would call narcissists and people who you would call psychopaths, as well as to a lesser degree, people who have BPD or borderline personality disorder. Okay. But again, you would take those on the autistic spectrum out of that. They may be empathy deficient, but again, they don't necessarily have those other traits. So, Speaking about the uh, what we'll call type P or um, psychopathic uh, female, um, the, the, the medical or the clinical term would be an ASPD. And an ASPD would be someone like who has antisocial personality disorder. And what you'll find is that as we go through this, you're going to see some some overlap. You're going to see like, okay, well, this person might be bi bipolar. They might be borderline or they might have NPD, which is narcissistic personality disorder. But you'll see like th there's just very, some of the differences are very marginal, you know, be between them. But um, there are differences, you know, between an ASPD, antisocial personality disorder, or NPD. This is a very important um, distinction. In the, I'm just going to say this now. This segment is extremely important. <laughs> it's very important for men, absolutely important for men to not get caught up in certain things. But it's also important in, for women as well in identifying the women around you, you know, um, and maybe even the women who may have raised you and what they may have imputed into you, you know. So there's different sort of, I guess, schools of thoughts will say, when we perceive someone who is neuro, uh, neurotypical, right? Neurotypical means the majority. And most people who are neurotypical or what you might call like somebody who's not crazy or someone who's normal, you know, which is not really the clinical term, they don't really see the differences too much. You know, every like they'll just say, oh, that person's a psychopath. And they're, they're probably right, you know, because it's it's a small margin between someone who's psychopathic from someone who's borderline, you know, so it's pretty much all in this, all the same. And truthfully, <laughs> sometimes it's easier to just say they're psychopathic because in order to understand it, the difference in the nuances, you have to get closer to that person, which is not advised, you know. So sometimes from a distance, you just kind of give your own informal diagnosis and you keep it moving. Um, but regardless of whatever those nuances are, zero negative empathy disorders they have a collection of variations that exist within a psychopathy. So when we're looking at psycho psychopathic behavior, like someone who has an ASPD antisocial personality disorder diagnosis, rather than someone who just has a lack of empathy with a lack of moral concern, you know, we have to look at the, the disingenuousness of ignoring sometimes the, the nuances of it all. Um, because you do have to account for the cause of certain things. You have to account for the manifestations of those things. And, yes, yeah, sometimes they will overlap. And like I said, people just say, oh, they're just psychopaths, <laughs> you know, um, un and understandable, un understandably so. So when we're looking at the psychopathic female, 
first thing to understand is that they're super calculating. This is where you get that Machiavellian sort of mindset. And there are male psychopathic personalities, but they're different. The female psychopathic personality and the male psychopathic personality are different. And, the you know, they both have this tendency towards immorality and to take certain actions um, that are immoral based upon what we would consider to be moral conventional thought, right? They're very opportunistic. They have no sympathy for other people. Um, and they inauthentically learn how to simulate feelings for the purposes of dissimulation, you know, um, so they, they can learn how to mimic a feeling based on what it is that they feel they should be doing in the moment, but it's disingenuine. And, um, their main, their main, I guess, narrative you would say that's in their head is like, especially when it, you know, when they meet someone is what does this person do for me? And if it's nothing, what could they do for me? And how can I manipulate them into giving that thing to me? You see? So when you have females who are psychopathic or have that type P empathy disorder, um, they're kind of like the alphas of the psychopathic world. You know, the ones who have that particular order because most of the times they're, they're sadistic, but they're high functioning, high IQ sadistics. You know, and they don't necessarily have the borderline sort of disorders that, you know, certain that many females will say have with with uh, who are psychopathic. They're like they're, they're on the top of the food chain, you know, and once in a while they'll pretend to be sheep. They'll be sheepish, sheepish, if you will. But they're only doing it for the purposes of manipulation, you know, um, and if you put a type P psychopath female in front of a type P psychopath male, the type P psychopath female will devour the type P psychopath male. They cannot keep up with the, with the women at all when they have this particular, these disorders. So they, they, they pretty much have a personality that's like, it's, it's a, there's a thin shroud of deception as to who they really are and how they really are, but they all have this really alarming rage. And it's like this unceasing, undying rage that exists underneath the surface. You know, they're like a something, you know, they're, they're a time bomb just waiting to go off. And it, but they're walking around with, you know, their hair done and, and makeup and heels and everything. And they may be superficially attractive but they're psycho they psycho they're psychologically volatile you know and some of them they'll have a certain inclination towards accentuating a certain appearance that will disarm you they'll make themselves look even childish you know they wear pigtails and they'll have a, a playful sort of voice and things like that because they know they have this this they have this psychosis within them but they have to figure out how to how to disarm you and get you to judge a book by its cover you know um so there's an incredible sort of mental prowess and psychological prowess with this sort of person and what they do is they utilize um the victim that they're targeting in all sorts of ways and a lot of times what they do is they'll they'll start to gather allies 
you know, they'll gather allies who will put themselves in the line of fire so that she doesn't need to. That's an important part. She will she will get people to sacrifice themselves and fall on their swords left and right. So that way she does not have to do it herself. Um, and again, this is not the same of not as narcissism, um, but similar to narcissism, um, they excel at creating what we call a, a, a cult of personality, you know, um, and for anyone who, who may be unfil- unfamiliar, excuse me, with that concept, you know, of, of, of a cult of personality, you think about um, the uh, 48 laws of power, the 27th law, play on people's need to believe to create a cult-like following, right? And that kind of sums up, <laughs> you know, what how you create a cult of personality, you know, whether you're borrowing from organized religion or whether you're, dis- you know, things like disguising your source of, of income and setting up a us versus them dynamic, you know, that's that's one of the keys. You find that very um, prominent with like uh, ex-president Donald Trump. You know, he really was able to create a cult of personality. But again, you have to imagine that in a female's body, right? you know, if, if you will. And um, she has this way of kind of violating your mind with just this straightforward honesty. But her honesty is is tactical. And it's it's harsh and it's brutal. And she, what she's really doing is she's testing you with that with that honesty. It's you know it's very deliberate and it's aggressive. It's not clumsy like like Trump, you know, um, and it's not inappropriate. You know, she has a way of of getting right in, and she can dress up her agenda in a clothing of honesty, and she can flaunt what she's saying as virtuous when. There's nothing virtuous about what she's doing at all. You know, so to a woman like that, human life is not sacred. Human life is not precious. Um, She does not have the ability to pair bond, you know, and there's like this capacity to always dehumanize people and to she can objectify someone very effortlessly without even thinking about it. She can objectify another person, you know, and she pretty much just uses people. She uses people, just throws them away. You know, like you would a paper plate or whatever. And pretty much once they carry out whatever it is that she needs them to do for them, for her, she just she discards them. And then she finds another another person to use. And then the cycle pretty much just completes. And if she can't use a person, she disappears. She disappears. And the thing about a a psychopathic um, female is that they can be as frail as they as they desire to be because um they don't have to lift a finger to do anything. You know, um, oftentimes her psychopathic nature is associated with a certain physical beauty. And she's got all the power she needs through this mental prowess to get people to do people around her to do whatever it is that she desires to have done. And and her her sole aim in life is to co-op influence, is to control and to draw in people who are in positions of power. She preys on people who are in positions of power. And similar to like the male counterpart, she uses a, this form of like um, psychological plurality when she decides who she's going to, who she's going to associate herself with, you know, and they tend to go after people who fall into like 
very very extreme ranges on the um, personality spectrum or that pendulum. So a person who's very weak, very naive, or a person who seems to be very strong and very com- confident. You know, obviously the, the weak and naive, those who are cognitively weak, they just because it's like, you know, st- like they say, stealing candy from a baby. And the ones who may be a little bit more cognitively advanced become like the prize. Like this is, the, I'm hunting this person and they become a, a prize, especially for a psychopath who's who's bored. You know, they be, they become some excitement to break up the boredom. And they want powerful people not just because of the influence that they have, but because of what they symbolize. You see, it's the influence and what they symbolize. So she will welcome a conflict. She'll welcome fights you know um and that's fun for her you know and when you first meet a psychopathic personality or this Jezebel, and you know we're talking about the Jezebel or the Jezebel she's charming in the beginning you know and once she gains your trust she then changes her tactic after she gains your trust and now instead of just being charming she's she's um coercive and she's calculating and she's aggressive. Her aggression is calculated. And even though she's emotionally violent, she'll always blame the victim for her abuse, for her abuse. Or more so for her abusive outbursts. She'll always validate her cruelty, you know, um, by certain observations. It could be the smallest observations of guilt. You know, and that will validate her cruelty. She'll always um, kind of keep the mental pressure on a person. You know, it's it's a very systematic campaign of like crazy accusations, um, veiled threats. And ultimately, her goal is to emotionally exhaust her target. And once she exhausts you, you're in a very malleable, pliable sort of state. You know, then she can really just work with you just soft. You're like putty. At that point. And she doesn't care if she controls you through love. She doesn't care if she controls you through fear because they both get her to the same place. They both, you know, end up in the, in the same sort of um, destination, if, if, if you will. Um, and once you kind of fall into that web or into the, the female psychopath Jezebel personality web, you know, then she becomes very territorial about you. You know, um, if you defy her. You know, she'll she'll assault, you know, just to, she'll escalate the energy to keep you complicit in whatever it is that you're doing. And one of the ways that this happens is she begins by isolating you from your family, isolating you from your friends, you know, from your loved ones. And oftentimes she'll do this, you know, by accusing you of things like being physically abusive. And by accusing you of physical abuse or sexual abuse or emotional abuse, financial abuse, I've heard them all. Um, in doing that, she can then win sympathy from your allies that you would have normally had, your natural allies. She gets their sympathy. And once you're estranged from those people and from those who would give you emotional support, she targets you. Like she then like puts a laser on you. She starts gaslighting. And it becomes cycles. It becomes repetitive, repetitive, almost like kind of like every couple of days, you know, there's, there's all this scorn and I got to, you know, she's forgiving me for things I don't even think I need to be forgiven, forgiven for until you start to believe 
her fabricated story of events. You'll you'll start to you'll start to be like maybe I did do that, you know, because you got to understand that a psychopath, especially one of higher intelligence, they learn to incorporate elements of truth. This is trichnology into all of their lies. So there's truth inside of the fabrications, and once they do that, it seems what they're saying, what they're sharing, it seems more plausible. And once you feel guilty. <laughs> And you take responsibility for the fictional events that they've kind of created. They then leverage that that responsibility you have against you, and they uh, they reassert more control back on you again. So she constantly reels you back in, you know. Um, and if you try to gain control, she gets angry. She gets angry that she had to even exercise her her strength again to to rear you back in, to put you back into the reins. And she'll punish you for attempting to escape from her grasp. So a psychopathic woman, they're, they're, they're often vulnerable to abandonment because they're so, they're so egotistical. And um, they're offended by the very thought that they may have to communicate to you that you have the choice and the power to leave them. They get upset by even having to say something like that, you know, and they have no they have no problem with abandoning you. They'll abandon they'll abandon you at the, the drop of a hat, but they must be able to exit on their own terms or they'll they'll go berserk, you know, because, again, there's this it's it's an ego thing. And if they can't do that, then they'll just go on this this path on this this relentless obsession of of, of vengeance against you. You know, so the the psychopathic woman, woman, excuse me, she has this, um, she uses what we call, um, it's like a, a, we call it the joy pain, um, sort of, uh, motif. You know, there's a German word for it. It's, um, it's, it's schadenfreude. And schadenfreude, it's, it, well, it means like, yeah, like joy pain, like harm joy. And it's, it's almost, it's like a form of, of, um, sadistic energy, but it's when you, you feel pleasure or joy from giving other people pain, you know, so they, they have a, like a disability to find people, um, or something, which that's your weakness. It could be your child. It could be your parents. It could be your hobby. It could be your passion, whatever. And what they'll do is once they find out what it is, they're going to pervert it. You say, oh, man, I really love my sister. They'll say, well, well, you, I think maybe you, you want to commit incest. I've seen the way you look at your sister. It's weird. I'm just saying it's just weird. You know, so they'll they'll pervert or they'll corrupt or they'll expose what you love in an attempt to basically mount an attack against you. So essentially that psychopathic woman, she's great as a tactician. <laughs> you know, she's an awesome tactician because they, she, she understands the importance of taking the herd, monopolizing them. And then using them to ostracize a person, you see, and she's divisive by nature. Her whole thing is about divide, conquer, kill, destroy. So it's it's always a divide and conquer thing with her. And this is a part of her sadistic sort of mindset that she enjoys seeing you alienated from your allies. She enjoys seeing you ostracized by by your loved ones, if you will. And whether it takes time or whether it's something that can happen immediately and the severity of what's used against you to ensure that you are alienated depends on the context and what she's trying to get done.
you know, it could be something as small as just like messing with your popularity a little bit, you know, in, in the eyes of other people. Or it could be something where it's just straight up psychological warfare, right? And if you're a weak person, a psychopathic female will pretty much ex- expose all of her power and she'll downplay all, all of the indirectness and the subtlety and she'll just like it just uh, it'll just be a brute force attack against you. But if you're powerful, she'll be the hidden puppeteer. You know, she'd rather do that. And um she'll she'll move towards charm more so than coercion. Because she knows that direct conflict is pretty much going to end up with a less than desirable outcome, if we will. So in order to curry your favor, they, they turn themselves into your dopamine. You know, you start to have these extremely powerful feelings about your relationship with them. You get overwhelmed by it. And what happens is you, you begin to form a mental dependency on them. And it, it sounds like love. <laughs> you know, if you explain, oh, that's love. That's connecting with someone. You don't realize in the beginning, like, how insidious it is because her goal is for you to crave her. That's her ultimate goal, you see. And that's the mechanism by which she uses to control you, you see. And there's another aspect, and this is also extremely important for men. You know, it's pretty much exclusive to men. And that's the sexual aspect that you got to look out for. And of course, like we said with the Jezebel always comes through sex, but she uses sex knowing that there's a psychological power. But typically when you have sex with a woman, you're entering her in some way, whether she's on top, she's on the side, she has to open up for you. So she's exposing herself. And sex can leave her feeling exposed. And it's when you have sex, it's supposed to leave the woman exposed and the man feeling stronger. That's a that's a natural experience of sex that's supposed to happen. But when you're dealing with a female psychopathic personality, it's the, it's the opposite. She doesn't feel used for sexing or feel exposed, but she feels empowered because now she has leverage against you. So and if you try to ignore that leverage what she'll do is she'll she'll publicly reveal your sexual exploit with her. She's the first one to, to jump in an inbox or on a social media post that, yeah, I slept with him or, or have a tell-all book. And she'll always leverage that against you because if she spins it in a sort of elegant way, she can then leverage society against you because society eats stuff like that. He took advantage of me too. Hashtag me too. He took advantage of me. Right. Knowing that it was just a regular sexual exploit. And we live in a world that if it's a, if, if you're a man and a woman says you took advantage of her and it's your word against her, she's she wins. You lose every time. It doesn't matter what proof is stacked up against what she's saying. You're a man. She's a woman. She, you're going to lose. She knows that. So once she becomes your source of sex, you'll become addicted to her because, first of all, she's got the crazy cat. And everyone knows crazy cat is, you know, is, is the best cat, you know. So if you try to cut her off, she'll always threaten your reputation. With, ah, man, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, you're this, who did this. I'm going to tell this. I'm going to tell that, you know, I'm going to go to your job and, t- you know, whatever it is. So she leverages it as, as white male 
in order to to threaten your family or threaten your ministry or threaten your job if you don't comply with whatever she tells you to do. You know, and she does this even before, like even before she threatens or she she follows through with an escalation, she won anyway. She already won because once you're getting that crazy cat, you become softer and more and more pliable anyway. You see? And if you ever try to come to your senses and try to escape her influence, she wins again because she has the white male to leverage against you. You see? So you find yourself kind of like in a, uh, I guess, a catch-22 position, you know, um, because whether you ignore the bribery or not, that you you know, the, or the white male, she, she still, it doesn't negate whatever leverage she has over over you. And she'll take a bribe for silence or weather, but whatever. But a psychopathic female, she loves secrets because she knows that whoever has the secret has the power. Whoever holds the secret holds the power. So if she can't uncover a secret, she'll she'll create one to get leverage over you. She'll just make up stories to get the leverage over you. You know, and she could do this through forbidden sex, if you will. You know, um, she she just screws her target. Easy. Done. Now I got the leverage. And um, she'll get the leverage however she needs. Even if she's not attracted to you. Any means necessary. I need leverage for control. And if you're a more powerful person, if you're not as weak, um, and she, if you're more resistant, we'll say, to, she'll use a less direct approach. She'll, she'll use a more insidious approach. You know, and pretend that it's innocuous, but again, it's still it's still predatory in nature, and and the malevolence of it is always rationalized by her as the self-identifying victim. So the whole screen that this reality is seen through is that of an unaccountable victim. She never has to account for what she's really saying or what she's really doing. She just has to scream, "Victim! Okay, victim! That's it." You see, because it's within the mental construct of society that they can just car blanche, just ruthlessly just say whatever they want. And that's it. You lose. So the, she, as a predator, uses that psychological prey to justify its predation. You see, it's like amazing self-deception, if you will. You know, so the the, the best deception always begins with themselves. He deserves this. He's this, he's that, you know. So when you're dealing with the psychopathic female personality, the first thing you understand is that they have no loyalty because their loyalty is only to their agenda. It's only to what their self-interests are because they exist at the center of the world and everyone in the world can get it. Everyone is a byproduct. Everyone is a target. Everyone is just someone that they're observing. These are people who always come into community and say, well, I'm just watching. I'm just observing. Be careful of those. That's Nine times a ten, that's a Jezebel. She's looking, she's observing because she's trying to see who can be her pawn or who's going to be uh, an obstruction, who's going to be a target because she has empathy deficiency. She can't peer bond. You know, she epitomizes the concept of distrust that's held for others. And the power that she has is a combination of mental prowess, Machiavellian prowess, and, and her attraction. And they attain, you know, stimulation inside of the world and gratification 
um, through the games because they generally feel pretty underwhelmed and bored most of the time. You know, it, it's a very perverse sort of um, mindset, and she'll torture her target with a more aggressive side when she feels like it. You know, the relationship between the abuser and the abusee is um, as close to love as a psychopathic female is ever going to get. You see, it's like reverse Stockholm syndrome, actually. You see, and they thrive in chaos. So they, they have nothing but disdain for peace, nothing but disdain for peace. Because where there's peace, there's no emotions for them to, for them to chew on. There's no emotions for them to digest and to harness and then to self-stimulate themselves with. You see, so they're like poltergeists. They need conflict and fear in order to feed their, their, um, their compulsion to dominate everyone and everything around them. So where there's chaos, you know, um, they're able to kind of create drama as a way of reasserting dominance. You see, so that psychopathic female, they're not suited really for anyone in relationship other than a psychopathic male. And even with a relationship between a psychopathic man and a psychopathic female, it's not really love. It's just them constantly trying to one up each other. You know, they, they're just both empty inside and they both have the sadistic thrill of always trying to get the upper hand. <laughs> you know, who's going to have the power. All right. So that's. You know, again, we're speaking about the Jezebel, but I wanted to give it to you in terms of maybe more clinical terms where you could you could recognize, like, again, how pervasive it is. And it's not just something in a, in, in a Bible. It's not just something in Scripture, but it's something that's very alive today that society has named. But they, they have all of these different terms to speak about a Jezebel demon. That's inside of someone, whether again, it's ASPD, antisocial, social personality disorder or NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, BPD, borderline personality disorder, or, or a combination of schemas, you know, between all of them, um, or, or several, several of them. And we're going to get into some more in our next session, but you're still talking about the sickness of a Jezebel spirit. All right. With that, um, we're going to take a break for a moment and I'll be right back. All right, I want to get into a, a couple of things I want to share with you all. And first off, consultations, right? So for those who are uh, emailing and asking about speaking to me and getting consultations, you can always go to askosiris.com, askosiris.com, A-S-K-O-S-I-R-I-S.com, and you can set up a coaching session with me. Um, and if you want ongoing uh, communication, ongoing exchanges, ongoing consultation, ongoing services, then you'd want to sign up for coaching at OsirisLife.com. O-S-I-R-I-S-L-I-F-E.com. All right. For those of you who are interested in the Anu Life Global Ministries and being a part of this beautiful spiritual and, and community and family movement that I am um, the head of. Uh, you can always go to anulifeglobal.org. That's A-N-U-L-I-F-E-G-L-O-B-A-L dot O-R-G. And that's where we, that's where we convene. <laughs> that's where we have our, 
our beautiful conversations and our beautiful gatherings and we really uh, focus on the development of each other now for books uh, you know many ask where can they get my books Amazon Amazon is where you can get a copy of the majority of the books that I have presented to the, the public of course there are uh, free books and there's more free books coming but uh, like such as the Anu Way, you can always go to again anulifeglobal.org to get your copy of the Anu Way. But aside from that, um, whether you want to check out Grasping the Root of Divine Power, Solutions for Dysfunctional Family Relationships, The Fourteen Keys, Noir Mel, The Compass, Shrine and Altar, or uh, Mind Heart Words. Those books you can find on Amazon.com. And with that, with the books, I wanted to share something again as well. Uh, because within our community of Anu, uh, we do encourage authorship. We do encourage speaking and lecturing and most importantly, teaching. So we actually have some writers in our community, those who have stepped out and written some very beautiful works. And one of which is our dear sister, Yafe. And she's written a book entitled The Ten Points in Public Health. The Ten Points in Public Health. So I urge you to check that book out. And you can you can grab it's free, actually. It's free. <laughs> you can grab a copy of that book at DeidreSully.com. That's D-E-I-D-R-E-S-U-L-L-Y dot com. That's a government. D-E-I-D-R-E. S-U-L-L-Y dot com. And uh, you can get a, a free copy of the 10 points uh, in public health. OK, so that'd be awesome for you to check that out, you know, and um, leave us some feedback. You can always follow on her social media at Deidre Sully. That's her um, at handle D-E-I-D-R-E-S-U-L-L-Y. Now. Um, also, we have uh, a book by our dear Yakira Eden, also known as Precious Stepney. That's her government. And she wrote a book recently by the name of um, The Scriptural Guide to Overcoming Seven Mental Ailments. And um, of course, as it sounds like that, that book deals with mental ailments and really being able to pull from time held wisdom that you would find and um, script, scriptural studies and scriptural doctrine that would help you to kind of get into a space where you can dive into uh, some of your own issues, whether it be through meditations or whether it be through certain uh, mindfulness activities, uh, but different things that you can get into that will help you to remove that which over, that which is overwhelming you and get to a place of mental strength, mental balancing and um, regain your spiritual power and your mental power by pulling again from um, the paradigm of wisdom. And I encourage everyone who has checked out that that particular work, leave a review on Amazon. You know, I'm urging all of you, especially all of you are new members who have gotten a copy of Scriptural Guide to Overcoming Seven Mental Ailments by Precious Stepney, government name, also known as Yakira Eden. Be sure to leave a review on Amazon.com. Chief is going to be looking for him. Yeah, I'm going to be looking for him. So you make sure you leave your review on Amazon.com. Um, and also, 
our dear sister Naya, <laughs> who is also an author. She's probably the OG author, actually, because she's she wrote her works um, before the other sisters. But she has three three books you can check out. She's got more coming forth. One by the name of um, Exposed, and then the second part to that is Evolved, and also The Keys. The Keys. So you want to check out Exposed, Evolved. And the keys by Naya Audrey. Naya Audrey. N I Y A, last name A R D R E Y. That's her government, too. All right, so you can check those out and be sure to leave a review. Leave a review on Amazon.com. Leave a review, but definitely check those works out. Uh, that'll be beautiful for you to do it. And we got some people who've been asking about the retreat for Anu Life Global, by the way, and who have uh, also signed up. So again, keep it coming in. You know, uh, the more the merrier. This is going to be such a beautiful experience. Um, you know, opening it up to the public this time. And so, um, be prepared to have, uh, some fun. <laughs> Bring an instrument too, by the way. You, you, you all know I love music, you know, so, um, I don't give it a, if it's a water bottle turned upside down or if it's a paint paint can <laughs> you know it could be a tambourine could be a a gazoo you could pick up the pieces you know whatever you want to do but you know yeah definitely um sign up come on out to to the retreat man and enjoy some time with me man kick it kick it with with old chief sit down sit down with the old man by the fire you know, I'd love to have you there. All right. And with that, that is our um, announcements. And we're going to get back into it. All right. That's been our announcements. And let me um, get into our book for the strong. All right. Or our book for our 86 podcast episode of season two. So the book, um, which you're going <laughs> to really see the relevance of it. Uh, it's a great book I read. Um, some time ago and I, I really, I really enjoyed it, um, because it, it gave a different twist on, um, uh, something, you know, just a, a stigma that a lot of times we hear a word and we just feel like, oh, we know what that is. But, um, this one gave a different perspective. And the name of the book is The Wisdom of Psychopaths. What saints, spies, and serial killer, killers can teach us about success. The Wisdom of Psychopaths is written by an individual by the name of um, Kevin Dutton. So the author's name is Kevin Dutton. The book is The Wisdom of Psychopaths, What Saints, Spies, Serial Killers, and Serial Killers Can Teach Us About Success. Um, and like I said, I, I read it some time ago. I really enjoyed it because, um, again, when you hear the word psychopath, you immediately kind of just think like, oh, this is a murderer or something like that. And... This book goes beyond the concept of psychopaths just being monsters and, and really looks at, well, if, if there is murder, you know, and things like that involved, where does that brutality come from? And, um, how is it that a person can commit the acts of a psych, a psychopathic acts and not feel any remorse? And there's a sort of recklessness and a sort of, of egotistical, kind of spirit that characterizes someone who is a psychopath and um it just seems many plausible for many of us 
that we will look at like people who work in uh, corporate America or we look at people who are bankers or, you know, these individuals who sort of run the world in a way. And we see the same sort of the same sort of characteristics that we would see in psychopaths. But we don't, you know, even politicians, but we don't look at it the same. And, you know, they kind of they help themselves to whatever they want. They don't care if it harms anybody. And they're not really conscious of the, their misconducts. And they sleep at night. No problem. <laughs> you know, and what was in- interesting about this book is that it looked at also presidents and it, it evaluated them on a psychopathic scale. And it found that John F. Kennedy and Bill Clinton, um, they had many things in common with psychopathic murderers. OK, so um, like I said, it was, a, it was a book I read that I, I really uh, got a lot out of. I know you will, too, because, again, that psychopathic personality, it's not just exclusive to violent criminals but some of us may have been raised by psychopathics psychopaths we may have been married to psychopaths you know um we may have children who have that that energy and sometimes we don't realize how charming and and how well spoken the psychopath is and how entertaining they can be and all of that is is to distract you from what we would call their evil side or their darker side you know so the book gets into that, but then it also gets into the utilitarian aspects of a psychopath. Like, you know, like yeah, surgeon, surgeons tend to make the best psychopaths. It was one particular surgeon I uh, spoke about who was like the king. It was talking about him for, for um, amputations because he was able to cut off people's limbs left and right without even, you know, his heart skipping a beat because he, he had that non-empathetic sort of uh, thread in him. So he made an excellent um, uh amputation surgeon right so the book sort sort of kind of gets into i guess you could say the positive aspects um of people who we would consider to be mentally ill and understanding that they're not just people who be murders but people also who make great tacticians you know um and who can make split split uh moments you know split decisions sort of moments in a in a in a instance you know and head up law firms or you know, people who are the chairs of often university departments, you know, and they can make certain decisions that other people would hesitate on. They don't hesitate, you know. So um, even seeing that Kennedy and Clinton were at the top of the of the list and you, you understand certain dogmas through the book, like I never feel guilty over hurting other people or you should take advantage of others before they take advantage of you, you know, stuff like that. And where that sort of idea comes from. And I think it's very valuable because many of us have been hurt by people who have antisocial qualities of psychopaths. And we don't understand, you know, we're, we're holding them to a certain standard that we probably shouldn't, you know, because we don't really understand the spirit and the, the, the mental disorder that sits behind it and the wide spectrum of varying expressions that it may represent. So that's the book. Uh, for this 86 session, The Wisdom of Psychopaths by Kevin Dutton. Definitely check that out. Of course, links for movies and books are always in the description of the podcast, so you don't really have to go too far looking for them. You could always use my links, which, of course, are affiliate links. So I'm just be honest. you know. So every time you click on it, I get like a percentage of a penny. And you add up all those little percentages of pennies, you eventually you get yourself a penny. <laughs> so... So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. All right. So let's get back into it. Okay. So now, you know, we're going to deal with our Q&A session. 
And um, of course, like I've I've said plenty of times, if you want to send in a question, comment, or anything like that, you send it into questions at chiefyuya.com. Q U E S T I O N S at C H I E F Y U Y A dot com. All right, so let's get into this one. And of course, you know, your your identity is always kept anonymous unless you really want people to know who you are. Um, you know. So the question for this episode is Greetings, Chief Yuya. Hope all is well with you and Anu Global Ministries. I want I I was just recently initiated into Santeria and Palo Mayombe and I'm having a hard time learning. I wanted to know if you can make a video and on Santeria and Palo Mayombe. Thanks. Okay, well, uh let's get into it. So, you know, I hope all is well with you. Thank you for uh the well wishes for me and the ministry. I do appreciate it. And uh, we'll get into what this means. All right. So you were recently recently initiated into Santeria and Palo Mayombe. Okay. So why would somebody initiate you into two systems? Uh, why did you get initiated into two different systems? Santeria and Palo Mayombe are not the same thing. They're not the same system. And even though you may have um, some paleros and some um, some some you know different people who who are in, in Palo, you know, and they may, sometimes they'll tell you, well, I came through the Santeria route, I was a Santero, but it's not the same, right? So, first mistake, shouldn't have done that, all right? So, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to answer this in a very direct way because I've been answering this question <laughs> for a couple of years now, and I've, I've actually addressed this question before, I, before I've even had to answer it. Stop getting initiated. Just stop it. Stop. You're making a mistake. Stop. And I've been saying this. I've been saying it in a nice way, you know, and I've been saying it subtly. And then I've, I've said it explicitly. This is a prime example of why you should not get initiated. You don't even know what initiation is. You have no clue what initiation is. And you got you got initiated into two systems. Like you said, I'm having a hard time learning. Why would you initiate into something that you haven't learned about? That's not how initiation works. You see? So this was, somebody just took your money. That's what happened. And the person who took your money was either evil or they don't, they don't know what the heck they're doing. And they were just getting instructions from another person who didn't know what the heck they're doing. We have to stop doing this. You know, I, if you notice, I don't put, Videos, Arisha videos up anymore. I don't put any sort of um, occult videos really up that much anymore. I'll still speak about metaphysics and things like that. But you know what? Y'all are not ready for it. That's why I stopped teaching those classes. That's why I stopped giving Arisha information. You're not ready for it. Because you guys are just too hell-bent on getting magic. But then when we start speaking about morality, everybody gets quiet and starts looking down at the, at the floor and twiddling their feet together. Morals over magic Morals over magic Morals over magic I've been saying it for the longest So I've already answered this So now you go and get initiated You just screwed yourself up You got initiated into two systems You don't know anything about And I know you don't know anything about them Just by the question And I know whoever initiates you Don't know anything about them either They just took your money and kept it moving That's why you're having a hard time learning Now I know what your answer is going to be 
No, my padrino is there. No, they're there. What it is is that there's a language barrier because they, they, they're, you know, they don't, they're Cuban or, you know, they're Dominican or they don't speak. I, 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 I know this one. I know this one. I, you know, I've been in this for a very long time. Very long time. And not to toot my own horn, but you'd be hard pressed to go online and find anyone who can break down Orisha Sciences or even Palo or even Voodoo or even comedic sciences at the level that I can. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say that I have lived these systems and studied these systems from the inside out. And in many instances surpassed my teachers who brought me in. To be totally honest with you, these are not superior systems. A lot of times we think when we want to reclaim our heritage, you know, we don't know where to begin. So we just grab something that feels like it's indigenous and old, but it's not. It's not old. Palo Mayombe comes from the Congolese system. It comes from that system. It's not the original system. Santeria. Santeria comes from the Yoruba system. But Santeria is what? The worship of the saints. It's not the worship of the Orishas. It's the worship of the saints. So you just go to the Catholic Church. Now, I noticed some Santeros who will hear that and get upset. I noticed some Paleros that will hear that and get upset. But you can't do nothing to me. You know that. You can't do nothing to me. You know you ain't got what I got. Let's just keep it. Let's just keep it all the way real. I really don't usually talk like that. I really usually don't let you guys know who I am in that world. But people who are in that world and who know my title and who know my initiations, they know. Yeah, he's not to be f with. He's unfwittable. So if I'm telling you at the level that I'm at, I'm not somebody who went over to Nigeria for a strong you know, or and I've, I've gone to the Congo and studied these systems. I've gone to Haiti. And done rituals and studied systems there and studied Haitian voodoo. Okay, so I've I've gone to these places. I've gone to Kemet multiple times. So I'm I'm telling you, you're making mistakes. Now, of course, probably like oh, that's a loud car outside. Probably like one tenth of you are even gonna listen to what I just said because it's still that that demon that's inside of you that's like, man, he he don't know. He you know he over here quoting Bible scripture. He done sold out to. If the guy who knows who can run circles around your your padrino and, and your ear and your madrino, I run circles around them with their system. If the guy who can run circles around your padrino, your madrino with their own system is telling you that ain't it. If you have a shred of intelligence in your head, you listen to that guy because clearly he knows something that I don't know. If he's telling you, hey, man, you better study that Kabbalah. Amen. You better get into that Torah. If he's telling you that instead of because this is what people say, oh, chief don't know. Chief ain't teaching the real thing. You're an idiot. I have had people say that who come to me for EFI lessons like, wow, you're blowing my mind. And then as soon as I say, yeah, but you know what? You should pick up the you should pick up the Torah. You should pick up the Book of Mormons. You should pick up the Apocrypha. Now, all of a sudden, the oh, chief don't know what he's talking about. No, dummy, you don't know what you're talking about. This is so much deeper than your your um, a, your fascination for what you consider to be exotic spirituality. What you're all you're doing is you're running behind lesser spirits and serving them. 
And I'm not talking about you who wrote who wrote the question in. I know you might be like, Dad, that's, that's a little short little question. And I even said, I hope everything is well with you and you miss that, you know. So I'm not going off on you. But it's time out for this foolishness, man, because we're in a real serious time now. And we do not have the luxury to keep playing around with kindergartner, you know, information. And wanting to get initiated into low-level systems. And I'm saying that. Am I saying Paolo Mayombe is low-level? Am I saying Centuria is low-level? No. It depends on what you do with it. But you you ain't doing nothing with it. You don't know. It's not for you. Leave it alone. It's, that is not for you. Who is it for? Nobody, really. <laughs> if you really want to keep it a buck. But I don't think you're really ready for that for that conversation. Because I'm not trying to put the botanicas out of business. There's a, there's a whole lot of Florida water and, and Shango candles that need to be sold. You know, I don't want their inventory to get backed up. It's a whole lot of money oil and, 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 uh, money oil, money, money, uh, house, uh, air, air, air freshener just to sell. You don't want that aerosol to go, to go in those cans. So I'm not trying to put anybody's botanic out of business. I'm not trying to put anybody's spiritual house out of business because there's plenty of offerings to bring. There's plenty of rituals to bring. There's plenty of readings to do. And there's rent that got to get paid. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you know, you ain't ready for none of that, man. Stop. You guys stop running out there to get initiated because yeah, you know, my Baba told me I got to get, get out of here with that. Your Baba is not teaching you anything because if they they probably don't even have it to teach. All they have is learn these songs, learn these prayers. I'm teach a couple offerings and then come get initiated. And your life is not going to change one bit. It's not going to strengthen your connection with the creator one bit. You just now locking yourself, especially with Paulo Mayombe, locking yourself into lower order artificial spirits. So am I going to do a, a video on Santeria and Paulo Mayombe? Hell to the no. Go look at the old videos that's up. If you look at the old videos, see, this is how I know y'all shouldn't be getting initiated. I've already spoken about Paulo Mayombe and Santeria in old videos. This is why y'all should not get initiated because y'all don't even know how to research stuff. You want these quick microwave sort of answers and sort of experiences, and this is what gets you in trouble. Now you are initiated in two totally different systems. You probably think they're the same. That's what you probably think. You got separate sets of, of lower order Nephilim pulling for your attention. You got an Nganga pot over here that you got to feed with Palos inside of it. And then you got Orisha pots over here that you got to feed with, with Catholic saints sitting in front of them. And then you probably got a, a candle of, of St. Michael sitting on your stove burning. You got all these low order Nephilim pulling at you right now because you were probably too lazy to do the proper scholarship or to listen to what was being said to you. So that's my answer for that. And for anyone else who... Because you guys still Y'all are not keeping up man I've been It's been years now But I've been telling you I'm not doing it Go to the Orisha channel And see when the last video Was put up I've been told you We not on that Because you guys Are not ready for that You think you're ready for that But that's just your ego That's your ego Thinking you can play with fire And you can't And I'm not saying These systems are powerful And they're fire I'm saying the mental damage that happens as a result of your rebelliousness and hard headedness, that's the fire. 
That's the fire. You worshiping and laying down in front of gods of stone and wood and cursing your life. That's the fire. But you're trying to skip steps. And some of you refuse to be educated. You refuse scholarship. So if I say, man, read the Bible. Oh, well, yeah, man, I read that already. You ain't read nothing already. You didn't read anything. You don't even know how to study anything. You went and got initiated. You got scratched. They put, they took razors and cut your skin. They cut your skin. How do I know? How do I know? Because I am initiated into Apollo. I know exactly, I already know exactly what you went through. You see, I know what you went through. Cut into your skin and you don't even know why. <laughs> you don't even know what the markings were. You don't even know what the symbols were. You don't even know what the herbs were that they put into your skin after they cut you. I do. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Return to your Elohim. Your El Stop just grabbing indigenous systems out of the air. Yeah, you know, I'm doing the Akan thing. I'm doing the Orisha thing. I'm doing the Yoruba thing. I'm doing the Kemetic thing. Those are not your national ethnic Elohim. Pick yours. That's what works for you. That's what works for you. I don't drink cow's milk. It doesn't work for my body. It doesn't work for where my ancestors and where our people are indigenous from. I don't eat raw meat. There are some people who can eat raw meat. I can't eat raw meat. You see, it does not work for me. Just because it's available to me and it seems exotic does not mean that it's for me. I don't know any, any other ways I could, y'all send me another question like this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rip you up again. <laughs> I'm saying, knock it off. Focus on your morality. Focus on your discernment. Focus on your consciousness. Focus on your creator. Not all these little sub spirits because they make you feel good and they make you feel sexy and they make you feel masculine and make you feel electrified and make you feel strong. They are tools. Go to any Orisha class you've ever seen me teach. I've been telling you that from the beginning. They are tools. You're not supposed to worship them. But y'all ain't even ready for that. So I'm not even teaching that anymore. That was my mistake. Even that lesson was beyond y'all. I got to bring y'all so far the basics. Like, let's just focus on how you breathe. Have you ever practiced pranayama? Let's focus on that. Do you know how to practice mindfulness and be aware of the thoughts that come in and out of your head? Are you a jackass or do you have manners? Let's let's try that. Are you courteous? I got to bring y'all to the because y'all are not ready for that stuff, man. And you're wasting time. So that was our Q&A. Be sure to send your questions and the questions at Chief I I love answering them. And um, it's a pleasure. So I hope that answers your question. And if you have any follow-up, be sure to bring it through. Questions at ChiefYuya.com. All right. Cool. So that was our, that has been our 86 segment. Dealing with the female psychopathic personality, or as we also know, the Jezebel spirit, or the Jezebel spirit 
of demonic oppression and demonic possession. All right. So I will that you got a lot out of this particular session and you were able to possibly see some areas where um, you could have possibly maybe have been exhibiting some of these 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 symptoms yourself, you know, or where you had a desire to even create a cult like following and, you know, um, that cult of personality, whether it be through creating your own customized rituals or you know, um, emphasizing quasi religious sort of gatherings, which is a very common thing, um, in fake spirit houses. You know, every five minutes you go into the water, they bring some flowers or you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, who you're talking to, who you're giving it to. Oh, we're going to do a ritual to the ancestors, the ancestors, you know, so let's get out of the, 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 the foolishness, man. It's time to grow up, time to graduate. There's no way you're going to be able to move among the deities and among the Elohim and go into the congregation of the most high. And you still down here playing little petty, petty magic games. Those little petty magic games were sprinkled on the ground to distract you. And for those who, ha who have low IQ and low spiritual IQ, they'll always be stuck in them. You see? And the same thing, you'll always be a victim for a female uh, uh, psychopathic personality. You will always be a victim for the Jezebel because you're so easy to conquer because of your ego. You don't listen and you want trinkets, you want shiny things, and you, some of you are still addicted to your body sensation, so she can always use that sex and that pride and that ego and that flattering to get in. And it's time for us to grow beyond that. We're getting too old now. <laughs> We're too old. We've had too many reincarnations on this planet for us not to figure some of this stuff out because our elders have left the messages for us. They've left the wisdom for us, so it's time to apply it. All right. And if you don't know how to apply it, get with a pastor like me, get with a shepherd like me, get with a rabbi like me, get with a Baba like me who can watch over you and make sure you're making the right moves and direct you and guide you as need be and not necessarily tell you what to think, but give you more advanced ways of thinking, more advanced ways of critically being able to analyze the things that you're going through and create better systems in your life and better processes in your life. So you're not constantly finding yourself in these dramatic sort of crises and these dramatic interplays and these cycles where someone is sitting back laughing at you because they're constantly taking advantage of you. Anu Life Global Ministries. Chief Yuya, Chief Jegna. I want to give some love and some energy to all my members and to all my supporters, all our supporters. Right, all of our members, all of our supporters, uh, those of you who support this podcast, which is mine, and those of you who support the greater work that we all do, like the Friday fellowships and the midday affirmatives, so forth and so on. But get under the protection of someone who actually cares and is not just looking for initiation money from you. All right. So thank you again for listening to the 86 podcast. And I will that you got volumes of assistance and help from it. All right. One love. Be well. Chief, you are out.